Greetings and welcome to Visibility with your host, Dr. Donna Maria Culbreth. You may call us to share your thoughts, pose a question, or to give a general comment by dialing area code 323-642-1562. And now, Dr. Culbreth. And welcome to Visibility. This is an exciting month for us here at Visibility, as today actually starts the first of a five-series program focusing on our voices and our stories. Today's episode, Our Voices, Our Stories, Advancing Girls and Women of Color, it's part of the entire mini-series of Our Voices, Our Stories, you know, that we've put together, advancing, celebrating, embracing, and empowering girls and women of color. And we put this talk radio series together to celebrate the publication of the National Girls and Women of Color Council's first anthology titled Our Voices, Our Stories, an anthology of writings advancing, celebrating, embracing, and empowering girls and women of color. And we were excited. But before we move into the show, I'd first like to take a moment and to lift up our dear friends, um, Herb Estet, Wayne Taylor, and our Lisa Maria Cobras, um, to keep them in our prayers um, and lift them up. So I'd ask everyone to please keep them in your prayers, Send up as many as you can. And you guys, you know that we all love you, and we're rooting for you. Having said that, this mini-series that we've put together consists of these really awesome talk radio segments. And in celebration of the launch of our anthology, we put the series together. And the guests who will appear in this series will be the actual authors who submitted to the anthology. So I think that's just wonderful. We're excited about that. And let me go down before we get into today's episode and just share with you some of the um, the episode titles and the topics that we will be discussing over the next couple of weeks. So each episode, excuse me, guys, cough drop went down the wrong way. Each episode will will take place on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. with the exception of one episode on Monday, March 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So the next episode that we will have will be next Wednesday, March 13th, 8 p.m. And that episode is focusing on celebrating girls and women of color. Wednesday, March 20th is the next episode. 8 p.m., Embracing Girls and Women of Color. Monday, March 25th, and make sure you know that. Empowering Girls and Women of Color will be our topic. topic. And our final episode will be on Wednesday, March 27th at 8 p.m. And by the way, they're all Eastern Standard Time. And that episode will focus on empowering girls and women of color. I forgot to do the titles of each show, so let me do that again. On the March 13th episode, we're going to celebrate women of color writers. On the February 20th episode, it's going to be the title, 
episode is Unbeknownst Sister's Keeper. The March 25th episode is The Power Within. The March 27th episode is titled What the Health? Women of Color and Healthcare Disparities in the Millennium. So, you're probably asking yourself, well, why are they doing this talk radio series? And let me go back and bring you up to date on our journey with this anthology, our awesome team that we worked together so well. Well, maybe, I think it was in 2017, Dr. Julie Jung and I were having a conversation about activities and moving out the National Girls and Women of Color Council forward. And during that telephone conversation, she came up with the idea of us actually putting together and publishing an anthology that would contain poetry, essays, short stories, biographies, and other writings that focused on us advancing and celebrating, embracing, and empowering girls and women of color. And so that is where the idea came from. We launched it. So, Dr. Jung, thank you. Without that idea and us putting our heads together, we probably wouldn't be here with this anthology. So after we came with the idea, we put out the call for submissions, and we had a few come in, not that many. Then we put it, I think we opened it two or three times. In the end, we had more than what we needed, but we were grateful and thankful. We received such outstanding submissions from authors. We have the actual anthology itself includes submissions from um, girls and teens, girls, preteens, and teens, and women from all over the world. And all of this would not have been possible without the exceptional um, work, hard work, efforts, reading, revising with Dr. Lata Murti and Lisa Maria Culpris. They're our assistant editors. And as our assistant editors, Dr. Murti and Ms. Culpris went above and beyond. And I can imagine that I probably drove them literally insane with the emails and did you review this, did you review that? But to the both of you, Dr. Lada Murdy, Miss Lisa Maria Culbert, the assistant editors of Our Voices, Our Stories, thank you. Thank you for your hard work, your dedication, your professionalism, for putting up with me um, throughout this entire process, uh, for not wavering and getting frustrated because I know I was probably being... I was probably sending them emails like boom, boom, boom. Every time they turned around, they were getting another email. But I am grateful and thankful, ladies, for your hard work and your efforts. Um, Dr. Murdy went out of her way to make sure that we had um, quality and quantity with our essays. Uh, Ms. Lisa Maria Culbris did likewise with our short stories. And when you work together as a team, when you're putting something together like this, um, you form a bond you depend on each other, you get through. And it has been a journey, let me tell you guys. I spent, I think, the last year and a half maybe reviewing and revising, um, working with authors to revise their submissions. And one thing that I want to say, and this is where it's so important to always make sure you have a good team with Dr. Murti and Ms. Culbreth, is the unity in getting this done. And I'm send, I was sending emails to Dr. Murti, and she's in the middle of grading, and I'm sending emails to uh, Ms. Lisa Culbreth, and um, Lisa was 
really awesome, awesome women and young women, teens, preteens, who contribute outstanding content for this anthology. To, so to our authors, thank you so very much for your submissions, your hard work, and most importantly, your patience. The, the authors were very patient with this process, which was long and drawn out, and they hung in there. So thank you all very much. We also have men who submitted to the anthology, and we're grateful and thank you for those submissions as well. And we're excited about the publication. We're excited about the whole concept and idea of our voices, our stories. And it's amazing because when you are reviewing uh, submissions, poetry, and some of the poetry guys wait until you read it, it will blow you away. The essays were written with such great um, focus, you know, and I'm probably using the wrong word, but our young, our authors really, you know, as my, my daughter always says to me when I cook a meal that tastes really great, like you put your foot in it, they put their feet into the into the work. We have poetry, short stories and essays dealing with heartbreak, sexual assault, rape, um, employment with being sisters keepers, working as teens, dealing with mostly um, racial identity with race and color. We deal with health issues. Um, we have a wonderful biography written in there by Dr. Herrera, which was um, well-written. And we have our famous author, Sue, Dr. Um, I'm sorry, Miss Loretta Moore, um, who's one of our favorite authors. She wrote an excellent piece for the anthology, but the bottoms. And we were just so excited, guys, as we went along this journey. So you can imagine me with all this energy that I have, and revising, tweaking, sending things to Dr. Murdy, sending things to uh, Ms. Copas. It was a great time. And here's the most insane thing about all of it. I would do it all over again, same way. We, unfortunately, we had other submissions that we were not able to include in this anthology, which is, and I, it's so funny, I said to Dr. Murdy a couple of weeks ago, um, where other people had asked us if we were going to actually publish another second volume. And Dr. Murdy said, three to five years, Max. And I'm like, are you sure? Not next year. But it's, I'm happy. I'm elated um, with the submissions with our assistant editors, Dr. Murdy, and Lisa Cobus for the work that they've done. Thank you again, Dr. Julie Jung, for coming up with this idea of putting this together. And we hope that you are as excited as we are when you read them. We've, we will, they should be available mid to the end of March. We will be putting up the pre-order forms on our website shortly. Now, the anthology is a publication. The publication method, the anthology, is a fundraiser for the National Girls and Women of Color Council. So all proceeds from the sale of the anthology will go directly to the National Girls and Women of Color Council. And the link to purchase the anthology will be on their website. It will also be on Complexity Publishing's website, but that link will lead you directly to the National Girls and Women of Color Council. So we would ask you to spread the news, share with your friends and colleagues, and ask them to support us and purchase this anthology. Now, when we were talking about a fundraiser, we didn't just want 
about girls and women of color, about their voices and their stories, because they're so important and they must be heard. And with the publication of this anthology, this is exactly what we're doing. So what I want to share with you tonight, um, well, I just share with you about our journey in putting this together. I also want to talk to you about, because tonight's episode is titled Advancing Girls and Women of Color. And the most important thing I think we can focus in on when we really look at how we can advance um, girls and women of color is what we've gone through to get to the point that we're at as girls and women of color in, in society. And not just here in the U.S., but internationally, there are a lot of countries where a lot of girls and women of color are still dealing with, you know, some serious issues, and we will talk about them in the upcoming months on visibility. And by the way, visibility will air as part of Complexity Talk Radio. I believe it is the second and third Wednesday of every month. I will check that later, but I'm not too sure. It's one of the two. And we will continue with Complexity Talk Radio talking about all other topics relative to people of color. But visibility will now be a program segment of Complexity Talk once a month on a Wednesday. Of course, there will be times when we will host a um, other visibility, you know, mini-series. And at that time, we would do, a, you know, a couple of episodes with a mini-series. So I am excited that we are ready to talk about and move forward with our work. The anthology has a wonderful cover. We love the cover. It was funny because I we sent several, uh, about two or three different covers of the anthology. And the final cover, cover that we selected, Dr. Murti, said she loved it. The colors, Miss um, Culbert loved it. I loved it. So we went with that cover because it, it speaks volumes. When you get a chance, you can visit the National Girls and Women of Color website, ngwcc.org. You can find us on Facebook as well as on um, the WordPress blog and look at the cover of the book, and I think you'll love it. So let's get into this, the reason why we publish this anthology. And I will do a cough drop in again. Let's keep my voice clear. So here's the bottom line. As Dr. Jung and I were having this conversation about the voices of girls and women of color and their stories being told and heard, we realized that there was 
short story, an essay, or other writing, you know, I think that we should listen to hear. And oftentimes people really, if you think about it, they do not listen to hear, to really grasp the meaning. What is she really talking about? What is her point? So throughout the anthology, when you read the stories, when you read the essays, the poems, the biographies, and other writings, I want you to immerse yourself, immerse yourself into that particular writing. You know, close your eyes afterwards after reading it and see if you can feel and and put yourself there to understand the true concept behind the writing. Do you understand the experiences? Was there pain? Was there hurt? Was there love? Was there laughter? Is someone reaching out saying, hey, here I am? Oftentimes when you ignore the voices of girls and women of color, it can cause, you know, all kinds of psychological, emotional, physical, social well-being issues. It can affect your self-esteem by sometimes by writing your story your voice is being heard by sharing experiences the voice is being heard so we would just hope that you read this anthology and help you understand really understand not on the surface like oh yeah I get it no understand with a deep understanding the psychological the emotional the physical and social challenges, issues, traumas, and traumas were rather experienced by girls, teens, and young women of color because of the color of their skin, their ethnicity, their race, their culture, their unique challenges, socioeconomic challenges, and other experience, whether it's involving education, feeling that they fit, fit in, being a part of the American culture, that fabric of embracing all people. And a lot of the stories within, a lot of the writings, rather, within the anthology, you know, focus in on that, on how girls and women of color feel when they're trying to fit in and the doors are being closed and they're being pushed back. So we hope that you enjoy it. It is filled with thought-provoking biographies, poems, essays, odes, short stories, and other writings. And they all design to advance, you know, to celebrate, embrace, and empower our girls, teens, and women of color worldwide. So the anthology is arranged in alphabetical order with the author's last name. So we have several authors who wrote maybe an essay and then a poem. They're all together under that author's name. Um, it's each, I'm sorry, let me correct myself, the biographies, essays, and poems, and short stories, and other writings. They represent the individual voice and style of each author. And throughout the um, the editing process, that was one thing we made sure that we held on to. The voice of that author, we wanted to stay. So with the editing process, we were very cautious to make sure that we didn't alter that voice. That you, you could hear it, you understand it, and you'll be able to embrace what they're talking about. Now... With each author, they remember they may include intentional, unconventional use of the 
hear the voice, hear the story. Now, the National Girls and Women of Color Council, as a whole collectively, we decided to publish this anthology during the month of March in celebration of Women History of Women's History Month. And we did so because the awesome girls, teens, and women who contributed to this anthology and NDWCC, we are indeed making history. And I'm proud of this accomplishment. I'm proud of the fact that our authors hung in there, that we put together an awesome book of writings that are filled with emotion. They'll make you laugh. Some will make you cry. You get a little teary-eyed and misty-eyed. But at the end, when you finish reading the anthology and the wonderful writings contained therein, it is our hope and belief that you will be able to understand and get a better grasp of just of how girls and women of color, how their journeys are in this world. And we all know that we deal with issues of race, color, poverty, sexual assault, issues, um, educational issues, being treated disparately. And at times, even though society may say, we know these issues exist. Enough. It is not enough. It will never be enough until the voices and the stories of every girl and every girl, teen, young woman of color who wants their voices to be heard and their stories to be told, that you hear them, that you learn to understand that feelings, emotions, self-esteem, pride, self-respect, identity, self-love, all of these that make us who we are. And the voices behind that are important. They must be heard. We're not at a place any longer where we can push things under the rug or push them out the door or say they're not important. When it comes to education, whether you're sitting in a college classroom, our faculty, professors, teachers, other educators, it's important that they understand and learn to hear the voices. If you have an example where you have students of color in a classroom, and they're being taught by a, a, a faculty professor, whoever, educator, teacher, who is not a person of color. It is important for them to learn to embrace and understand their experiences in order to, you know, develop a rapport, to help them advance. And you see, this is what has always disturbed me, guys, in um, society, and I've been in corporate America, higher education, administration, and management, as well as an instructor, as a professor, um, subject matter expert, as a consultant in business education and human resource management. And I have seen issues, problems, circumstances, situations, the drama, and where I have personally 
telling me I have to tolerate her. And what happens, in my opinion, and I've written about this in my upcoming book, when people believe that they have to tolerate you, they get to a breaking point where they know every day I'm being taught that I don't like this person because of the way she looks or because of her race or ethnicity or skin color or hair. They explode. They boil over. They lose it. They snap. So I think we move, we need to move away from that tolerance use of that word and having more of embracing. You know, that's something we'll talk about later. But anyway, I brought up tolerance is because oftentimes with girls and women of color, when you are using that word and so you have to tolerate them, you know, her being your professor and she's a woman of color, tolerate the group of black girls in your classroom, tolerate the Latino girls who are there in the supermarket with you. And we, we have to learn to choose words that we use carefully, especially in trainings, in the work environment, in college-level classrooms, as well as high school, middle, and elementary schools. We have to learn words that are sometimes, even though they're not directly deemed as being such, but there are certain words that are trigger words. Just think for the rest of the day, evening, if you will, on the word tolerance, and you'll see what I mean. I'll bring you back to that in the end. So we want, we believe rather there should be more of a focus of embracing, understanding, in lieu of tolerance, the voices and the stories of girls and women of color. So with us launching this in the at the beginning of Women um, Women's History Month, this is really a good time to think about how you are making history as a woman of color as you continue on your journey. And it's also a really good time to think about the numerous women of color who are actually making history every day through mentoring, advising, you know, they're leading, they're breaking down race and color barriers, they're, you know, jackhammering through these concrete ceilings, and they're trailblazing as torchbearers to make the world a better place for girls and women of color. And many of these women who were behind the scenes doing all the groundwork, they don't make it into history books, they don't make it into newspapers or blogs, even receive a small, you know, mention of their efforts. They, too, must be celebrated, everyone. So accordingly, when we celebrate the women who are making the world a better place, and especially those behind the scenes, and imagine this, consider the following. You have the women who roll up their sleeves and go above and beyond the call of duty. You have the miracle workers, the change agents, the activists, and others. The women who act consider also the women who are the voices of compassion, of reason, of re- and reality. The women who stand up against injustices. They stand against racism, colorism, and prejudice. The women who are driven to take a stand, and they do so unapologetically to be a part of the change needed in this world, to advance, to celebrate, to embrace and empower girls and women of color. They, too, are a part of the change needed. And that change is to leave the world better than they found it. So, And many of these women, my friends, are unsung. But yet, they are making history. 
start looking at the accomplishments. And I had this conversation with someone about a week and a half ago. And it's a quote by Martin Luther King. We're basically focusing on saying basically that you don't have to be basically written about in in books. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, the blogs, service is important. We we just we strongly believe that with the National Girls and Women of Color Council, and you can serve with a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And everyone doesn't have to be great as they're working and they're serving and they're trying to make a difference. What matters is that the work that you do. And as Pat, the minister noted during my late dad's um, memorial service, you want that dash between the time period of the year you were born and the time you leave this earth to be noted as being extraordinary. What did you do for others? Did you make someone feel special? Did you help someone? Were you somebody's opportunity? These are the things that we're looking at when we're talking about celebrating all the women of color in history who go unsung, unmentioned. They don't make it on the billboards. They don't make it on the, in the newspapers. Those are the women that we must always remember to celebrate. Because when you celebrate them, you're advancing them. And when you advance them, that's empowering them. So with this anthology, this is what we're doing in this anthology. We're advancing. We're celebrating. We are embracing and we are empowering girls and women of color worldwide through their voices and their stories. So you guys are going to enjoy the anthology. I know you're going to really love it. You're going to find it to be... um, Exciting, interesting. And as we continue to move on, I do hope that you guys really know your thoughts, your opinions. So let's move in now, guys, and talk about advancing and empowering each other. And that is the title of this segment tonight. And we do this because we are our sister's keepers. Now, women of color advancing and empowering each other, especially so. In light of the plethora of race and color issues that play in society in the millennium, and you guys know there there are a lot of things going on, that's something that women of color cannot afford to bypass. It is through working together to help each other achieve goals, personally, academically, uh, professionally, that we can build a strong network of sisters in unity. Now, while societies continue to evolve and we're moving forward and making progress, the voices and the visibility of girls and women of color continue to struggle to be heard in the mainstream. Now, more than ever, women of color must carve out spaces, stand in unity, and support each other in the pursuit of life goals. And we have to always make sure or ensure, rather, that the voices of our sisters are heard worldwide. Because it is through this unity, my friends, that the issues affecting the psychological, the emotional, the physical, and social well-being growth of girls and women of color may be given a voice. They're given visibility and credibility, thus leading to the continued advancement and the empowerment of our sisters. So there is power. 
numbers. We all know that. And we need huge numbers of girls and women of color to stand in unity and support each other in the pursuit of higher ground. That's how we're going to do it. So when you talk about standing in unity and supporting our sisters, that also means that we must be prepared to stand up, speak out, and take action to address, you know, among other issues, the disparate treatment of girls and women of color. These things still continue to stagnate the growth and progress of, of girls and women of color in society, and we all know that it's true. You know, I, I think the worst thing you can do is try and put a Band-Aid on a wound that needs stitches. And when people want to try and pretend that these issues do not exist, I find it alarming and disturbing. Because if we're going to continue to advance the way society should, then, you know, everyone keeps talking about, oh, we need to have a conversation on race. Well, we all know that. But do we see it happening? And if it does, how would it take place? How would it occur? Who would sit at the table? So we have to remember that a lot of the issues involving race and color and the disparate treatment of girls and women of color can literally stagnate them. And then we wonder, you know, and it's disturbing when you see, and I was reading a report, I think it was Sunday evening, when we were talking about disparities in income and wealth between black Americans and white Americans, and you can just look and see, well, if for race or color issues, black Americans are not able to get and obtain quality, good-paying jobs. And despite their education and experience, and there are whites who are in these positions who are not anywhere near being as experienced or have the skills, but yet we still see, you know, the disparity in employment and pay, job titles, positions of power. It's there. It's real, my friends. And the, one of the biggest issues is for me is that when putting together this anthology and writing the the advancing and empowering each other portion of the introduction is despite the numerous disparate treatment issues experienced by girls and women of color, the experiences and the treatment of black girls and black women have been the most horrific. They've been unjust and disparaging. So while I was putting all of my writing together to write this introduction for the anthology, I realized that, you know, this could not be complete without addressing the issues black girls and black women have and have and still to this day continue to endure. The exhausting traumas, and I do mean exhausting, my friends, traumas of racism, colorism, hatred, bigotry, inequality, and pay, the diversity issues, the silencing of the voices of black girls and black women, um, the invisibility issues, inequality and social injustices. These are all constants in the lives of black girls and women. And as such, they do affect their ability, their, their, I'm sorry, their psychological, emotional, physical, and social well-being and growth. They affect them personally, academically, and professionally, and often leaving many of us perplexed on many, many levels. Last week when my guest was Dr. Clifford Budrum, who was the author of the America's Invisible, America's Visibly Invisible War, we discussed Booker T. Washington, 
and WB's voice, and we talked about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and how race and color issues can be factors that lead to that. It's true. It's real. Dr. Joy, I think her name is Degree. I cannot pronounce the last name correctly. I don't even have it written down. No, I don't. Um, notice she talks about this in her research and her writings. So it's important that we understand that, what they endure. And if we don't understand how it leaves so many black girls and women suffering, if we don't understand that, then we're going to continue to have problems we have in society. The voices have been ignored. The unique needs, the complex internal and external challenges, and the visibility of black girls and women were often deemed less important to the needs of the status quo. Now we're talking about from body shaming to beauty standards, standards rather, that intentionally ignore the uniqueness of black girls and women. We're talking about these negative stereotypes, the disparate treatment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have been through it. Oh, yes, we have. And yes, it's very true. Black girls and black women often carry a double and sometimes triple load as we travel on our journeys. And sometimes those loads become too much to bear. Now, it is during those, these particular overload times that we need the support of our sisters in the village to sustain us, because we do. So when I decided, when I started writing the piece on advancing and empowering each other, you know, it was just a natural that we do this because we are our sister's keepers. And when we go back to talking about the village concept, we're all members of the village. And each of us play a certain role. You know, through various customs, practices, supports, beliefs, ideologies, etc. These roles include protecting each other. Ensuring that girls and women are, are supported across the board. Psychologically emotionally, physically, and socially. We do this to ensure the growth and the well-being of each other on various dimensions. So women of the village, they, they possess these really unique talents through which they provide support, nurturing, protection, guidance, and help to advance and celebrate, embrace, and empower our girls and our women to inspire and motivate our sisters day in and day out. So you see, we are our sisters' keepers. We are the girls and the women who always have the backs of each other no matter what. That is what we do. And historically, we all know that black women have been their sisters' keepers, you know, during the good and the bad times, ugly times, rather. We've been there for each other, um through thick and thin, because there's this unbreakable unity among us, by us, and for us that has stained us before slavery, throughout slavery, through Reconstruction, Jim Crow, the Civil Rights era, and into the millennium. We have been there for each other. We have stood in unity to fight oppression, racism, prejudice, inequality, and social justice issues. We are stood in unity to fight for civil rights, for women's rights, and for our voices to be heard. And the black community was always a strong um, 
corporate perspectives, song, dance, and politics, etc. We have learned how black women have helped each other hold on. So when we're talking about this sister's keepers concept, remember, as, as a focus on advancing in girls and women of color. So we learned historically how black women have helped each other hold on, preserve, to believe and grow. You know, from Celie, Nettie, Shug, and Sophia and Alice Walker's The Color Purple, to Savannah, Robin, Bernadine, and Gloria and Terry McMillan's Waiting to Exhale. We learned about the unbreakable bonds of what being our sister's keeper truly means. You know, let's go back and look, you know, in the, in the color purple. We witnessed each character handle the ups and downs of life while keeping their sisters and helping them cope in the midst of psychological, emotional, physical, and social challenges, traumas, and issues. And we also witnessed sisters keeping each other and waiting to exhale as another four black women, you know, in a different era, experienced the pains of divorce, personal growth, love, heartbreak, you know, the disappointment, loving, facing reality, making choices, finding their voices, supporting, advising, and help each other deal with life. We witnessed how each character found her voice. We learned from their stories. We watched them become visible and lift the levels of self-love, self-esteem, self-identity, self-respect, and self-pride of each other. We saw black women advancing and empowering each other because they were their sister's keepers. So, as our sister's keepers, you know, what do we do? We are our advisors. We are our colleagues, mentors. We're teachers. We're guides. We're friends. We're BFFs. We're daughters and sisters from another mother. We're aunts, cousins, big sisters, and, and we also, we're extended family. From sister circles, professional organizations, religious and community groups, groups for parents and guardians, you know, group workplace groups, mentoring programs, sister collectives, sister support groups, to informal get-togethers. Girls, teens, and women of color must continue to support each other through it all. This is how we advance and empower each other, my friends. We must continue to carve out those spaces where we can vent, express and discuss our unique challenges and issues and concerns, where we can mentor, educate, advise, laugh, cry, because it is through these spaces that we advance and empower each other to reach higher ground, because this is who we are, my friends. We are our sisters, keepers. That's what we do. So it's at some point in time, and this is the reality of, of, of life, we all need somebody to lean on, whether it's for a second minute, hour, weeks, days, months, years. We need somebody to lean on. We're experiencing the trying times, the difficult periods, periods and the curveballs that can upset our balance. And we all know how curveballs can definitely upset our balance. 
those often chorus girls and women of color, you know, to lose their spark. You know, as a burden of these complex internal personal challenges can dampen the flames of their inner fire, and they have and they do, we see it all the time. Many girls and teens are forced to become adults before they're ready to. You know, they, they experience stressful lives. They have to take care of their younger sisters and brothers, and, you know, it, they have to go to work and help support and sustain the family. Many of them experience sexual abuse, mental and physical health issues, poverty. You know, you know. Let's let's talk about all of it. There's the hunger, socioeconomic issues, of course, homelessness, difficult home lives for those who have homes at times. You know, it's that lack of love and nurturing, support and guidance. So these complex internal, personal challenges and traumas can prevent our girls from enjoying being little girls and teens and from enjoying their teen years. You know, that affects them psychologically, emotionally, physically, and socially. You know, and when we we start looking at them, it it can affect them on several levels, my friends, several levels. So the same thing happens with women of color, I mean, grown adults. When they go through poverty, the health issues, hunger, the socioeconomic issues, unemployment, homelessness, difficult home lives, lack of love, you know, nurturing, support, and guidance as well, they too are greatly affected psychologically, emotionally, physically, and socially. And that's important to understand. So in addition, guys, to these complex internal personal challenges and traumas, Girls and teens and women also experience external complex challenges and traumas, you know, and they also affect their their well-being and growth psychologically, emotionally, physically, and socially. It affects their happiness as well as the internal. They all affect the happiness as well. So these external complex challenges, they include, but they're not limited to ignoring the voices, the visibility, emotional needs, quality of life issues, education, career training, opportunities in the workforce, you know, social ills, we're dealing with the racism, the colorism, the disparate treatment, along with the abilities and physical attributes of girls, teens, and women of color. So when when girls, teens, and women of color are forced to deal with a plethora of internal and external challenges and traumas on a daily basis, at times it can and possibly will, affect, you know, continue to affect their their self-worth. And when I say self-worth, you know, I'm reference meaning to refer to their self-love, their self-esteem, their pride, respect, self-identity. All which are crucial for the overall growth, happiness, and well-being. They can all be greatly affected. So we walk in unity as our sisters keepers by continuing to put wood on the fire of life for our sisters so that their inner sparks can continue to burn brightly. That is what we do. As our sisters keepers, we advance and empower each other personally, whether it's a crisis or a celebration. We are there with a box of tissues when hearts are broken, provide shoulders to cry and lean on, provide support, advice, and guidance, you know, through the disappointments or major crisis that can occur. And we even come running 
your there was the champagne, you know, to celebrate accomplishments. And we provide kick-ass words of encouragement, even when, even when, you know, we don't ask for it. It's provided by our sisters because this is what we do. We do what we do to advance and empower each other because, my friends, we are our sisters' keepers. Professionally, we advance and empower each other to reach professional and career goals. And we do so by engaging with each other, by collaborating in the work environment, training, sharing innovative ideas, strategies. You know, we provide guidance and mentoring assistance and support. It is important that we help pull our younger sisters into the ranks, you know, by being supportive and breaking them in. And when I say that, I mean providing the guidance and resources to help them become successful, especially in the workplace. From facilities management to the boardroom, we must be there to support to lift and encourage each other, especially so in light of how women of color, especially black women, are treated in the workplace. And black women, they really do deal with more disparate treatment, with racism and other social ills in the work environment, more than other women of color. You see, my friends, as a having worked in corporate America, higher education, the nonprofit and private business and industry sectors, I have seen and experienced myself the issues that black women endure. I've, I've, I've witnessed and walked in in situations and events where I saw black women being treated disrespectfully, disparately, stereotyped, and I've also experienced the shock for what I used to call the shock of salvation when a black girl or black woman did not fit into one of the, quote, negative, end quote, stereotypes of black women in the work environment. Then it was this, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to respond or react or engage because this black woman, this woman does not fit my negative, my negative stereotype of how I believe all black women conduct themselves. In, in, in the manner that they do. So I've witnessed that. I have seen them from, my goodness, I, I've seen so many things that are just horror stories that many black women have said to me they have to endure. Because if you dare speak on it, they will make an example of you. I have children at home. I have a mortgage to pay. I have bills. My children need me to continue working. So I endure it because I have to. I don't have a choice. And I can remember, guys, when I worked in the financial services industry years ago, and I hated that job. And there was so much racism. I've experienced the racism, and I've seen it on in higher education. I've seen how black faculty members have been treated. I've seen how black administrators have been treated. And, you know, and it's it's just sad to think that you would see this. And I've also seen blacks treat each other bad, too. But I've seen more, many issues that should not exist in this era that are still existing in the work environment. And one of the biggest issues is that if you, 
college in upstate New York. The racism was unbelievable in Empire and um, Saratoga Springs. And then when brought to their attention, it was the big defense mechanism, but it was there. It was alive. It was well. When I worked in the financial service industry, it would kill me how I saw the other black women forced into positions where they had to dumb themselves down to appease their white manager. I remember when I worked as the vice president of operations, assessment, and institutional research at a college in D.C., where the college president came in to me one day and he said, your problem is you're just too damn smart. You can't be this smart. And I'm looking at this guy like, is he really kidding me? And he said to me, I need you to dumb yourself down and play stupid and act dumb. Because if you do that, it'll make, it was a white woman who was a VP of academic affairs, it'll make her feel better. But you can't be smarter than her. And I remember I was just taken back and I was floored and I was like, excuse me. But historically, that's what black people had to do. They had to pretend they couldn't read or write to save their lives. They had to pretend that they, they didn't understand if they were dumb. They, they just didn't get it to save their lives, to survive an era in history in this country. I'm not doing it, not in the millennium. That is something we should not have to do. And it is insulting for someone to even say to a woman of color, you have to be dumb and dumb yourself down. You can't be too intelligent. You can't be brilliant. I interviewed a couple of weeks ago at a, at a college in Jersey um, for a position. And it was just such a, and I can't even think of the words of my friends that I want to use, but the only black people that I saw there were the security officers. Other than that, they were all um, people who were, non, who were not black. And I looked around and I watched them and I watched their body language and their reactions and their words and their demeanors. And I also noticed the intelligence levels, and I said to myself, good God, Miss Agnes, how in the hell did any of these individuals sitting at this table, how in the world did they get these jobs? And these are people responsible for teaching, advising, and helping our students. And I walked out of there, you know, totally disgusted and concerned, number one, at the lack of blacks I saw in administration, number two, the intellectual level, the ability to express, discuss, talk, to use critical thinking with the people who enrolls, that I question how did they get there. So what we have to start looking at, looking at is, you know, while efforts and achievements have been made with regard to glass ceilings, black women still endure specialized glass ceilings that actually do stagnate their professional achievements and growth. These specialized glass ceilings are designed to categorize 
conducted a little experiment, guys. You know, I teach business courses. And I started looking around at some of the schools in New Jersey, and I said I wanted to see how many black faculty were in their business departments. So, you know, you go to their websites and you look. And I, I was just stunned to see that mainly at colleges here in Jersey City, mainly New Jersey City University, there were no black faculty members, at least that I could find, on their website in the business areas. And this is something I've noticed in a lot of colleges and universities. You don't see black women or black men born and raised in the business departments of colleges and universities. Can somebody tell me why? I noticed that. So I said, well, I'm going to conduct a study on this to see, you know, what is going on. And then I, I noticed that, you know, that's a whole other show, though, but that is an issue. I've heard stories from women of color in academia who've gone through it and are going through it. But the most important thing is that as our sisters, keepers, we are there to support each other. When professional career setbacks are disrupting our lives, like wrecking balls, from professional setbacks, bias and unfair treatment, being passed over for a promotion that was well-deserved, disparate treatment because of race and color or intelligence, and being targeted for bringing issues involving race to light, some women of color literally go through hell at some point in their careers. It's true. It's not some made-up story. It is true. I have witnessed it. As I told you, in corporate America and higher education, I have witnessed it in the private sector. I've seen so much that I'm saying to myself, when you talk about, you wonder why there's an inequality. And people of color, not black people, not being able to make it. It's there, my good goodness, it's there. You know, when we start looking at how we can help each other, we can advance and empower each other professionally by forming support groups that meet during lunch hours, you know, after work via social media or some other means. You know, we can join professional associations or start an association or find a mentor in the field. We do what we do to advance and empower each other because we are our sister's keepers. So we are. And so when, when you start looking at issues, you know, and, and we start looking at women of color, there are also issues that many do not want to talk about of the issues of that occur with women of color from different racial groups. So you may see black and Indian, black and Latino, Latino and Indian. Um, those issues exist there as well. And even though they may and say they do identify as women of color, when all is said and done, they are still, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it, um, haven't experienced it personally, but I have seen how women of color who are not black do get, they, they also get more privileges than black women do. It's, it's true, and you know it whether you want to admit it or not. I'm not concerned with you wanting to accept it or admit it. It's the fact. It is truth. I have seen it happen. 
women of color who are not, who do not identify as being a black woman, when all is said and done, they will not side on the side of black women in the work environment. Not, not all, some. So those are other issues that we need to address as women of color if we're supposed to have this so-called unity among us, by us and for us. Or is it that we have unity among us, by us and for us, for black women? Asian women have theirs. Latino women have theirs. What is it? But, you know, you guys know Dr. C. I keep it real. So let's be real about the issues. Let's accept the fact that there are still deep issues out there, whether you want to say it's interracially, interracially, however it's there. So let's move on and look at it from academically how we can advance and empower each other. You know, we can advance and empower our teens and our, and our young women and women in general by making sure that they achieve academic success. As an educator with over 18, what, 19 years of, of uh, in higher education, I've seen too many instances where our young girls of color, especially black girls, are not getting the support and the resources that they need. So as our sisters keepers, we can provide mentoring in the form of advice, support, guidance, resources, and other forms of assistance, you know, to help our girls and teens navigate the educational system. And we can make sure they are indeed prepared for high school, for college, for graduate school. Too often, first-generation young women of color enrolled in college become overwhelmed from personal issues that can and do, you know, they actually do affect their ability to complete their studies. I've seen this, guys. We can support them by serving as mentors because we're equipped with the knowledge, the skills, the abilities. We have the experience to help young women of color deal with the unique challenges, traumas, and issues that they experience. We can be the need, the change needed to ensure that the academic success is, you know, it's there because we are our sister's keepers. The goal is to make sure that young women of color achieve academic success. Too often we've seen and we've heard of the faculty members who feel awkward at working with or dealing with students of color. I've seen it. It's real, my friends, it exists. We need mentoring programs on a larger scale, especially for students of color, to achieve their success. Um, Dr. Jung and I were talking earlier today, and we were talking more about um, my book on student success that I'm working on and putting down and then working on again, and that it's so important to make sure that the, the, the institutions, these, these colleges and these universities, do they really understand, do they know what it takes to really help a student from an you know, underserved community, a student of color, make it and survive? Do they have the resources available to support them and help them keep moving forward to achieve their educational goals, to become a success story, to help them prepare them for the real world? Are we? You know, that's a question. You know, Women of color who are teaching in the college, you know, who are teaching at college and universities, they can advance and empower each other by, by providing critiques of each other's work, their research, you know, and articles they write for publications, syllabi, teaching strategies, books. 
important to make sure that it is shared with schools, with parents, with organizations, and others. You know, and, and I've always said this, what good is research that you're writing and publishing in an academic journal if your research results are not reaching the masses or the, the um, individuals who you are studying? Get that research out there. You know, talk to people in the community. Use, take the results of your research to focus on what we, where we need to go and what we need to do and how we need to do it to get there. There's not enough of that. One thing I, I must say about the National Girls and Women of Color Council is that we're a very diverse group of women of color. And we focus on moving girls and women of color, and, you know, we add in boys, uh, young men as well, and boys, moving them forward because we are fortunate enough to to understand what it takes to help them achieve their goals. And we roll up our sleeves, all of us, and we work hard. Our time that we put into everything that we do is volunteer, and we love what we do. This is who we are. So when we start looking at women of color in academia, it's important that they work together, work together, get on those committees and develop innovative products and make sure that research is actually getting out there. And a lot of people in academia don't like when I say this, but oh well. But I'll say it again. What is the point of conducting research on issues affecting girls and women of color if those particular findings are not shared with those who can use that data or information to develop programs, initiatives, resources to bring about the change that we need in this society? What good is it? So, what we've done with the National Girls and Women of Color Council, our Institute for the Study of Girls and Women of Color, um, it's titled the Institute, rather, for the Study of Girls and Women of Color. We're going to begin our studies, you know, conducting our study, focusing on girls and women of color. And we're, our, our goal is to publish yearly reports of our findings for the public. That data, that information that we obtain through our research studies, we will share with the public because it's our intention to say, hear our findings here, and we will give recommendations on how the data could or should, you know, however, can be used. But it is our goal with our Institute for the Study of Research of Girls and Women of Color that the, the data, the research can be used to bring about change in some shape, form, or fashion, whether it's in a middle school, a high school, college-level mentoring careers, that is what we're doing. And I'm proud of us being able to move that institute forward this year. In addition to that, the National Girls Women of Color Council is building a scholar's resource guide that we started a few years ago. And we've been adding a little bit here and a little bit there. But this scholar's resource guide is going to contain the bi- contains rather the biographies of women of color in the academy who specialize in research on girls and women of color or have written about or are interested in research on issues affecting girls and women of color, as well as identification of other women of color in the academy in their respective disciplines. We are, my friends, advancing and empowering girls and women of color. That's what we're doing. You see, there's this unspoken. 
it is. And I was talking to one of my former students um, yesterday who's a super success story. Um, I taught her as an undergrad bachelor degree student uh, in her bachelor's program, I'm sorry, and who has now completed her master's, and she's in, I think, her second year of working toward her Ph.D. And we talked about this jealousy, which is a powerful, but such a wasted emotion can prevent women of color, you know, from being supportive of each other's goals, programs, initiatives, dreams, and rise to higher ground. There is, my friends, an unspoken rule. If you didn't know it, you're going to learn it right now. There's an unspoken rule in the sister village where the haters and those naysayers consumed with being jealous, envious, the ones that throw the evil eye, and you know what I mean, the gossiping, etc., giving you the side eye rolls, they are disavowed, and they are disavowed for good reason. The toxicity of it all. We don't do toxic. We don't do the drama. Women of color can probably share stories about negative interactions with each other, with other women of color, involving some form of disagreement, dislike, professional jealousy, personal jealousy, and even academic jealousy. We must rise above the pettiness. We have enough, trust me, on our plates dealing with work, race and color issues in the work environment and disparate treatment in school, with our families, plus the extra load, and I, you know, bring this back in, of racism, bigotry, hatred, and disparate treatment, among other issues. We have too much on our plate to be wasting time, valuable time, that is, hashing out the most ridiculous and idiotic issues. The sisters in the village know that the sister village is a drama-free zone. As our sisters keepers, we are above the oh-so-petty mentality because we are too busy setting examples for our girls, our preteens, and our teens. We just are. We don't do petty, jealous nonsense. We're above that. We advance and empower each other by realizing that we are above that. So we can con- we can continue, we can begin, rather, and continue advancing and empowering our sisters daily. And in doing so, we can form bonds that can span lifetimes. And we can support networks that are unbreakable, even by the negativity of jealousy and envy. And I can tell you guys, with my with the Peace Mentoring Program, I'm mentoring young women right now. And I'm, you know, it's amazing because... You're mentoring them, and you're learning from them. You're learning about their their world and the things that they're doing at 17, 18, or 15 years old and the things that you did at that age, and it's just so awesome. The experience is awesome. And, and I always look at my mentees, and one of them makes me laugh because she's doing a lot of her work on colorism, and she starts off our conversations with a really awesome cool, what I call sophisticated form of a a joke, something to make me laugh, because she thinks I'm too serious. And um, we were talking the other day, and she made a note, and she said, wow, Dr. C, this bond is going to stand us lifetimes. And I'm like, hey, I wrote about that um, for much for the show this week. But 
it's good. You know, we can mentor our girls and our teens and our young women. You don't have to be involved in a formal program. With the PACE mentoring program, um, I like the fact that the way that the, the mentees are assigned, that they're young women, they're on a mission. These young, young ladies are serious about their education, their personal academic and career goals, and they are, like, making it. They are breaking through. And I'm so proud of my young women. So know that it's okay. And this is something we have to understand. It is okay to smile each other at each other in passing on the street or say hello to each other. Give a compliment. Offer a kind word. Smile. It is okay to collaborate, support programs, projects, initiatives, and ideas of our sisters. Know that we will meet women who are going to be prettier, who are more creative, who are stronger, smarter, have prettier hair and skin, curvier bodies, better personalities or personalities that are deemed more golden than yours may be. They're going to have better opportunities, more money, better looking husband, more knowledge, skills, and abilities than you may as an individual. And that is okay. That is good. You celebrate them. Embrace and support them as they continue to rise to the top. Work hard. Be open to learning and growing. Persevere. And you set yourself up to win as a girl, preteen, teen, or woman of color. And I always do the preteen thing because one day uh, one of my mentees said to me, hey, Doc, you skipped over the preteens. You said girls, preteens, and teens. So ever since she corrected me, I make sure I never leave you guys preteens out. If I do, you can come and get me. So we understand the importance and value of unity. And we also understand that it's imperative. It really is, my friends, to begin and continue to support, to advance, and empower each other in our efforts, in our projects, in our businesses, in our causes, and other areas. It is important, my friends, because it is through all of the above. It is through all that we can unite as sisters in unity. If we must agree to disagree, then doggone it, do it. Agree to disagree. If you must put your differences on the sidebar in order to make progress in unity, then doggone it, do it. We've come too far. We have too much to lose. There needs to be a united front among and with girls and women of color. We are focusing on advancing each other, empowering each other and helping each other make it through and breaking down the barriers. So, in closing, my friends, we are sisters in unity. We're on a mission to advance and empower each other. And and, and we're on that mission to do it, not just to do it at a mediocre level, level. We're on a mission to do this, to help each other reach majestic heights. And as we do, We are reaching back. We are reaching across, over, and under 
topic. The title of the show, of the episode, is Celebrating Women of Color Writers. We're going to discuss various authors and contributors to our voices, our stories. Dr. Lada Murthy will also be one of our guests that night. I'm our assistant editor. We're going to focus on how girls and women of color are celebrated through poetry, essays, plays, novels, fiction, you know, the nonfiction, um, short stories, and other writings. Topics will also include the healing power of the written word, finding your voice and yourself through writing, passion, purpose, and encouraging our girls and teens to write. Thank you, my friends, for tuning in tonight. May you have a wonderful week. You get a chance to learn something new about a woman of color in history who, as a result of her efforts, has helped to advance and empower us. Our girls, our preteens, our teens, and women of color. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Our Voices, Our Stories. I'm Dr. Donna Maria Culpris, wishing you guys a great evening wonderful rest of your week and looking forward to you tuning in next Wednesday. Good night, my friends. Thank you for joining us for Visibility with your host, Dr. Donna Maria Culpris. You may contact us at 866-829-0163. We're looking forward to you tuning in next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, remember to define yourself for yourself. Dare to be different and dream in color.